We're uh, continuing on with last week's message because I spent too much time on the introduction and a couple of points into it. So we'll finish off in chapter uh, 6, right? Here's the verses that we lead up to. Those of you who may have uh, not heard the other message, we're taking Hebrews chapter 4, 8 to 11. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. This is a heavenly and earthly principle. I think I brought that through clearly last week. I hope I did, and I hope you took it to heart and the Holy Spirit made it real to you as you went back to work and to your duties this past week. God made us people of work and rest. Remember? He created the sun and the moon and the stars and the night. And he created man to live in that environment and by that rhythm. And like we mentioned, none of us can go on and on and on and on without rest. We are creatures needing rest. And that rest, whether it's for your body and restoring in sleep, or it is in peace and quietness and confidence, is your rest. Or even spiritually, if you're worrying and if you're troubled and you're trying to work through a problem, we need to give up and say, okay, Lord, I rest in you. I place my trust in you. Teach me how to rest. That's very important for us. And particularly for us as believers, we should be the most restful people on the face of the earth. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. Now that seems like, and I think I mentioned this last week, it's an oxymoron. I might be the moron, but I don't know what oxy is. But anyway, every effort to enter that rest. Ooh, no, Lord, I trust you. I believe in you. I believe in your word. You know what this problem is I have, or this request from the company. You know what I need. I rest in you. You are my shield and defense. So that no one will fall by following the same pattern of disobedience that the children of Israel over and over and over and over again failed to enter that rest. Even though God had blessed them incredibly. Here's a verse that I'd like to interject this morning, which I didn't have in my message last week, but John 14, 1 to 6. Do not let your hearts be troubled. This is Jesus. You believe in God, believe in me as well. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going away to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and welcome you into my presence so that you also 
may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Lord, said Thomas, we do not know where you are going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Lord, bless this message we pray this morning so that we go away from this place with a deeper understanding of what it means to be at rest. We thank you for the Old Testament saints who went on ahead of us, and we thank you for this story of Joshua. And so we pray, bless your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The battle belongs to the Lord. Remember that. The battle belongs to the Lord. Say that to yourself this week when you run up against something that overwhelms you. The battle belongs to the Lord. Can we say that together? The battle belongs to the Lord. Say it again. The battle belongs to the Lord. Remember that. May the Holy Spirit make that real to you. And last week we talked about a military manual that has these four, well, it actually has about 20 points in the manual on military orders that are given for a, a military command or a military group of people. And I picked out four of them that match the study of Joshua, at least this particular part of it. The commander's plan and order. Who is our commander? Who is our master? Who is leading us? Jesus Christ is our leader. That plan or that order is very, very specific. We're going to look at those again just briefly as we go through because we looked at them last week. And then secondly, the implementation or the operation, the working out of that order and that plan. Whose is that to do? That's our responsibility. If we're soldiers in his army, we receive from the Bible our orders, our instructions. And then it's up to us to see that every tiny detail of that is in place and executed and followed through on. And the problem with Joshua, the book of Joshua itself is, it ends basically in not fulfilling all of the commandments and the orders that were giving them concerning the land. And that's what we read in Hebrews. If Joshua had given them rest, then there wouldn't be a need for Jesus himself to come. But Joshua wasn't able to carry that through. And the Old Testament fails in some ways fails to bring humanity to the perfection that God desires for his people. And so we have the last part of the Bible, which specifically tells us the how-to of a sanctified life. How to walk in perfection. 
how to walk in sinlessness, how to walk in repentance, how to be the children of God, the people of God, his church. And so together we see God's intention, his orders, the commander's plan and order, and the execution of that or the operation of that. And then there's the advance by bounds. And those things have to be worked out. Advance by bounds, I explained last week, is there's a plan. Okay, we're all ready. We have the shield of faith and we have the sword of the spirit. We have the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the footwear of peace. Did I miss any? Belt of truth, yes, very important. Katie's the truth person. She wouldn't have me miss that at all. So we're equipped, and it's described in detail for us in the New Testament. So we're ready to go, and we are ready to execute or to move forward one step at a time, one step at a time. That's what it means to advance by bounds. And God was very specific in the book of Joshua to Joshua, the step by step by step that they were to do. There is no excuse, absolutely no excuse for Joshua nor for us to miss God's intention and his orders. And it's usually because of our disobedience or because of our fear, because of those things that we say, well, we can't do that. Well, of course we can't do that. It requires his strength, his might, his truth to be able to overcome enemies that are in our life. But we need to do it one step at a time. And you take care of that issue in your life and it's done. Then go on to the next one. Now it might sound like that's very easy, but it isn't. Because sometimes we haven't fully completed all that God said he wanted us to do. How many of you, how many of me, have carried out just half of what God said for me to do? And we land in a place where the children of Israel were when they had not driven out all the enemy out of the land to receive the promise that God has promised them. And so we need to come over and over and over again looking at the manual and saying, did we cover all the points? Did we execute? Did we put into operation all the bounds, the, the landmarks, those things that we were supposed to do in detail? You know, in some places and sometimes, it is incredible that point D there, the objective, we can come back to the commander and say, yes, sir, I've completed the task that I was sent to do. Is there something else? Oh, yes, by the way, go and tell your neighbor about Jesus. I mean... There are things like that, that the Spirit of God will speak to you because we have been given the Spirit of God and he knows what our commands are and he helps us to do that. 
Verse 2 says, The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and the valiant warriors. Point number one, you shall march around the city, all the men of war, circling the city once. You shall do so for six days. Seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Then on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times. Number four, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. A long blast with the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people, all the army shall shout with a great shout. Let's just take a deep breath and we're going to say, the battle is the Lord's. Okay? The battle is the Lord's! Whoa, that sounded good. <laughs> oh, watch out. Somebody said, do these walls have weaknesses in them? This is an old building, you know, and we're right at the bottom. I wonder if they heard us upstairs. And all the people gave a shout with a great shout. And the uh, wall of the city will fall flat. And then finally, the people will go up, every man straight ahead. Okay, I pondered that. What kind of marching did they do? Around a city. But this says, every man shall go straight ahead. What do you think that means? I will make your paths straight. Proverbs 3, 5 to 7, and I will make your paths straight. That is what I think this means. That the way now they were trying to get into this city, right? They were trying to conquer it. And just the walls falling down wasn't good enough. And that oftentimes, when we see God has done something, that's where we just stand back and say, well, what are we supposed to do next? And at that point, they were face to face with the enemy. Who owned the land that Jericho was sitting on and those people were living on? Who owned that land? God owned that land. Yes, he owns the whole world. But particularly, who owned that land? Because he had given it to who? To Israel. He actually promised it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And so we look at the Middle East right now, and they're in turmoil. Who owns that land? Israel does. That is Israel's land. A certain parameter of it. God had promised it to them. They were disobedient in Joshua's time to not go in completely. But Jericho was an example of what they were to do. To follow God's law. His laws aren't something like you can just take it or leave it. Well, I, I did number one, but number eight, I just have a problem with that and I, I can't carry that through. 
No. We're given example in Jericho with Joshua. They completed it. But next week we're going to learn that there's things that happen that keep us from really following through. But going straight ahead means they were obeying the command. They completed the task of what God had given them. And now they were to occupy the land. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, and then he goes over this, and take the Ark of the Covenant, seven priests, seven being the number of perfection, seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. Who was leading them? Who led this army? The Ark led. The Lord led them. He had given them this land. Then he said to the people, go forward and march around the city and let the armed men go on before the ark of the Lord. And it was so. And the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of ram horns before the Lord and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before and the rear guard came after the ark. They were well protected with these division of soldiers. And you shall not shout, nor let your voice be heard, nor let a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I tell you, shout, and then you shall shout. Can you imagine, I think we talked about this last week as well, that in those six days that they went around, they were not to say a word. They were to keep their mouth shut. That's a pretty hard thing for most of us to do. Keep your mouth shut. I'm tired. I'm thirsty. You know, they're not serious things. But it said, you're not to say a word. He was disciplining them during those six days for them not to speak. Hey, John, did you see that uh, rabbit that just jumped out in front of uh, Joe over there? And, you know, can you imagine what army guys would talk about? as they're marching along. Hey, watch out for that rock. Or, hey, there was a snake there. They weren't allowed to say anything. Just be quiet. Why? Why does he want us quiet? We would be complaining, wouldn't we? Weren't they in a habit of complaining, the children of Israel? That was, in many ways, was their downfall. It's the complaints. Complaining is very easy for us to do. And there may be other things that came to your mind. Think about it this week. What are those things that come out of your mouth? Particularly when you're going through a testing time like this. And then to wait until the end and give that great and mighty shout. Is that what brought the walls down? The shout? I don't think so. Was it a great earthquake? Doesn't mention anything about that. You know, we talked about the fortification of, of Jericho was in history, one of the most fortified cities in the world. 
And I was going to look it up again. I did a month or so ago when I started studying on this. I think the walls were something like 17 feet wide. You could drive a car on the top of those walls. And they were about 30 or 40 feet tall. So, you know, even an earthquake would have to be an incredible earthquake in order to be able to pull down walls like that to allow the children of Israel to come in and kill the enemy. Then they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. And that was the second implementation of the plan. Now the advance is, now Joshua rose early in the morning, the ark of the Lord was there, they blew the trumpets, the ark of the Lord was there, and they continued to blow the trumpets. Thus the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp and they did this for six days. And then on the seventh day, they rose early at the dawning of the day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times that day. And only on that day, they marched around the city seven times. Seven is the number of perfection. And at the seventh time, when the priests blew the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout for the Lord has given you the city. But there was some instructions in the advance bounds the city shall be under the ban. It and all that is in it belongs to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot and all who are with her in the house shall live because she hid the messengers whom we sent. And those instructions were very explicit. And the city shall be under the ban, not a band, the ban. What does a ban mean? It means do not touch. Do not take. Contraband, you know what contraband is? You heard that word? Contraband means that which is set aside and say, this you are not to take. Leave it alone. And so the city was under a ban, a restriction. Keep yourselves from the things under the ban. Do not covet them. Do not covet the things under the ban. And all the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. Holy means set apart for the Lord. Those things belong to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. And then it says the people shouted with a great shout. And they took the city. They utterly destroyed everything in the city. And this is a terrible thing to read, I know. But then the was to go in to the harlot's house and bring the woman and all she has out of there as we have sworn to her. God is a covenant God. And she was a believing woman. So they went in and they burnt the city with fire. Only the silver and the gold and the articles of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the Lord. Here's a wonderful message. However, Rahab the harlot and her father's household and all she had, Joshua spared. And she has lived in the midst of Israel to this day, for she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out. What a merciful God we serve and know. You know, all of us here, I'm sure, 
are Rahab's offspring. Aren't you thankful that the God of mercy who spared Rahab, our great, 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 great grandmother brought us into the kingdom. What a mercy we have being Rahab's children. Under her covering, her obedience. Do you see what it means to walk with the Lord in faith in that way? What an incredible thing. She had faith to put the thread, the scarlet thread there of Jesus and his blood. A sign of Jesus and his covenant, his blood covenant, that scarlet thread. She believed it. And she and her household and we are saved under that. That makes it very personal, doesn't it, to us? And so this morning, this is timely that we should celebrate communion together, the bread and the wine. Speaking of the body of Christ hanging on the cross for us. What a mercy we have. We thank you for the broken body of Jesus Christ, the, the one who was wounded for us on the cross. And we who have believed you, who have put our trust in you, and some of us may not feel worthy, but you've invited us to come. And because we have believed in you and because we have trusted you, we can receive this token this remembrance of your life and your death. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so you bore that on the cross for us. And you said to the Father, not my will, but yours be done. And this was the great plan of heaven and we celebrate it this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for us. We remember you. We thank you for your precious blood that cleanses us completely. And for those things that are hidden deep in our heart, thank you for the Holy Spirit and your word that brings us to come to you again and again and again and again. And we wonder if it'll come to an end. Your redemption is eternal for all those who will come and confess their sins. You forgive us. It's completed. We thank you, Lord Jesus, Lamb of God. We do this in remembrance of you. Amen.